0: Hello, I'm Matthew Appleby, Horticulture Week editor, and this is the Horticulture Week podcast. Today, I'm with MD of Hampshire-based Double H, stroke Love Orchids, Andy Burton, the UK's largest orchid grower. Now, Double H, during April 2020's lockdown, had to throw away quite a few plants, but sales have been strong ever since. And Double H has used its Love Orchids website um, and existing retailers to sell more product. Now... um, the company's created 40 new jobs thanks to the pivot to selling online and with a renewed interest in gardening, um, the return of its wholesale business. Now, Andy, you're, you're quite new in the role. So what, what's your background?
2: Yeah, I am quite new. I joined uh, Double H five years ago. Um, and before that, I was actually working in, a, in, in consultancy businesses, um, looking or, or doing kind of supply chain and operational improvement uh, projects all over the place um, in different industries.
0: All right, okay, and but you you became MD quite recently as well, didn't you?
2: Yes, that's right. Yeah, so I joined back in, uh, as I said, about five years ago, back in twenty sixteen, um, and was the operations manager here at Double H, and then um, earlier this year took over the took over the role as MD uh, from my uncle, who uh, Neil, who was who has been running the um, running the business for the last kind of twenty five or thirty years.
0: That's Neil Stevenson. Yeah, so. Um, before you were known primarily as a wholesale grower of orchids, but in the last year, the Love Orchids brand has really come to the fore. So, what difference has that made to the business?
2: Yeah, it's been um, it's been a really interesting, uh, really interesting year or so with the uh, with the kind of um, I guess getting into some direct to consumer sales. Um, i think the primary difference last year really was uh, opportunity to 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 get plants to 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 customers um when we were struggling to get them to customers through the usual channels that we were that we were used to so uh, you know the, the kind of the most fundamental difference it's made to the business is that it it saved a huge amount of plants going into the compost heap which obviously was great um but i think there's been some you know there's been some side benefits as well it was it was it was good last year last spring to be able to have that additional work to keep uh, keep uh, keep less people um, or, or to avoid furloughing more people um, last spring so that that was a that was obviously a benefit for those individuals as well um, which was good. And then I think we've just, we've learned lots. Um, it's actually been a really interesting, uh, interesting thing to do from a kind of, you know, learning about um, e-commerce fulfillment, really, which is something that, you know, we, we can obviously apply to, to other customers as well and, uh, and, and help deliver a better service to our, to our retailer customers as well.
0: So previously you were best known as a wholesale grower, but in the last year the Love Orchids brand has come to the fore. So what difference has that made to the business?
2: Yeah I think it's, it's made a, it's made a few differences uh, there's been a few benefits to doing that I think the, the first one and the primary one really last last spring was it was a way of getting getting our plants to customers when we when we were struggling to get them to customers through the usual channels so you know ultimately that that meant that we um, we saved we saved a lot of plants from the compost heap which is good from a good from a financial perspective but also good from a you know, just good from a kind of morale perspective, nothing worse than seeing plants that we've been growing for a year uh, going in the compost heap. So I think there was, you know, there's some good benefits there. The, it was also good to have some additional, um, additional work last spring, which meant we didn't have to furlough as many people, uh, which was obviously great for those individuals as well. Um, and I think also we've learned a lot f- from doing it. It's been some new challenges for us as a business. Um, and I think, you know, learning about e-commerce fulfillment um, and how to actually deliver plants successfully through the uh, courier network allows us to deliver a good uh, an improved service to our existing retail customers
0: as well. Okay. So in, in the end, how many plants did you save and how many did you have to throw away?
2: Yeah, so... In, Overall, we, overall, uh, since last April, we've sold uh, just over a hundred thousand orchids. Um, so, they were, you know, you could say that all of those would have would have gone in the compost heap um, if it wasn't for, for love orchids. So that's uh, that, that's really good. Um, in the end, we we didn't actually have to we didn't actually have to throw many away at all. We obviously do have waste uh, through the year, but we didn't we didn't see a, a you know huge amount of waste due to COVID last spring in orchids, which was good.
0: No, oh, that's brilliant. Now I spoke to you earlier this year, and you said quarter one sales were about fourteen percent higher than in twenty twenty. But how has it gone since?
2: Yeah, I can't remember exactly when we spoke, but I think um, demand has been strong. Yeah, def- definitely. I think uh, obviously the um, April last year was was terrible. <laughs> the demand was was really really low as we went into that first lockdown. Um, so I think actually, you know, year on year, the kind of the increase now is probably even higher. So yes, yeah, the demand has, has continued to be strong, and even the demand this year compared to twenty nineteen has been um, has been has been strong for house plants. Um, so I think there's a you know there's, there's generally a good strong appetite for plants. Um, maybe as people are you know spending a bit more time at home, spending a little bit of money on, on kind of decorating their or making their their work from home environment or their you know their house a nice place to be.
0: that's brilliant um there's obviously been big pressures in in 2020 particularly importing young plants from europe post brexit um how have you managed to cope with that i mean as as a british grower have you seen brexit more as an opportunity or as a challenge
2: yeah it's a good question it's a sort of uh i guess it depends uh depends um who you ask but i think yeah i think we um we overall, we see it as an opportunity um, and, and as a benefit. It has, you know, as you say, the first half of this year has been extremely challenging from a supply chain perspective and an import perspective. So importing yeah, young plants... Um, and also you know we we do trade we do trade plants as well as the ones we grow ourselves here, so importing those plants from the netherlands has been has been very challenging from an admin perspective um, you know doing all the kind of phytosanitary checks um customs clearances et etc et etc It has created a you know a, a significant amount of extra admin um, and therefore cost so it's it 's been it's been, it's been quite kind of painful and quite challenging over the last few months but actually overall we're in a, you know we feel like we're in a good strong position as a British grower um growing our plants within within the UK is uh, is a good is a good place to be at the moment
0: do you feel it's it's kind of sorted now your importing regime is it, is it going to get any easier from now on in
2: it's i definitely wouldn't say it's sorted um it's it has got easier we have obviously over the last five or six months we've 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 learned how to uh you know put the data or get the data through the systems um in a in a bit more of a streamlined way um but there's there's more we need to do and there's more that we're hoping Plant health authorities will do to to enable it to be a bit more streamlined. Um, you know, electronic kind of transfer of data and things like that w- would really help us um, to streamline that, that process.
0: Because it's it's switching from the peach system to the new iPAP system quite soon. Are you, mm. are you looking forward to that? Do you think that will help? Yes,
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, then, I'm sure there'll be some teething problems, and as with any new system, it'll take a bit of getting used to. But yes, I think overall it will it will definitely help.
0: Cool. And what? What about further afield, like from China, for instance? You you obviously bring in stuff from there. So how has that been so far? Um, you know, in the last year.
2: Yeah in particular this year it's been v- very challenging um as it, you know it's been well well reported the kind of um, the shipping challenges from from the far east to europe have been have been significant i think uh, it, it sort of feels like the whole kind of global shipping um sort of infrastructure is quite finely balanced and uh covid last year sort of put things in the wrong places uh, in terms of ships and containers and it and it's taking a while to recover uh from that so same as everyone that imports from from the far east we've been having to um, absorb significantly higher prices for for shipping containers uh, f- from china um, and also you know long delays um, as well so yeah that has been that has been really challenging, um, especially trying to bring in uh, bring in our kind of um, you know, ceramics and, and packaging in time for events like mother 's Day and things this year has been has been really difficult.
0: You mentioned pricing. You know what? What sort of price pressure are you feeling at the moment, and absorbing it or passing it on? What? How do you deal with all that?
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the cost inflation is uh, it feels like it's coming from all angles. We've just talked about kind of Brexit and, and importing young plants and plants from from the EU. The extra admin and, and phytosanitary checks and and things like that on on there. We've got shipping big shipping cost increases from. From China, you know, it's, it's well reported that getting a container from China is, is often over $10,000 now, where it used to be less than $2,000. Um, so big, bigger inflation there. I think there's going to be, you know, there's, there's also been inflation in other materials, including cardboard, for example. Cardboard boxes have, you know, have gone up significantly. Um, and I think the next big one that's going to be coming is labour. Uh, you know, it's a fair bit of um, fair bit of uh, publicity at the moment around kind of um, vacancies uh, and and kind of um, unemployment and also the the lack of uh, the lack of our, well, our inability to recruit and, and bring labour from uh, the EU now. So there's there's um, there's definitely going to be some some inflation, I'm sure, in uh, in labour co- labour costs as well. So I think we're, we're under pressure, definitely, from, from it feels like all angles. Um, and at the moment, yeah, you know, I mean, we're, we're going to have to, we, I mean, as, as always, we have to do what we can to mitigate those, mitigate that inflation.
0: So, Andy, how do you absorb that price pressure?
2: yeah we have to we have to work we have to work hard to mitigate it as much as possible really so we have to we have to look for ways to um you know to, to develop and innovate products and product design um and, and processes and and improve our efficiency as much as possible to mitigate those those price price increase cost increases um and we have to work with our with our customers to um to do that
0: And um, what about uh, labour? Earlier this year, you were talking about the MDS management scheme, but labour more generally, do you you see that as a bit of an impending issue on the horizon?
2: I think it is, yes. Um, it's, It's widely reported in the press, isn't it, around the kind of Unemployment and, and vacancies at the moment the and also our lack of a bit you know our inability to be able to recruit uh, labour from the EU now so I think it is it is going to be a, an an increasing challenge to find find uh, the quality and quantity of labour required um, in the industry so we are we are you know looking at that and how do we um, what do we need to do as an employer to be an attractive option. Um, to make sure that we can retain retain the labor that we need now, how
0: how do you go about that
2: yeah it's difficult i think we're in some ways we're in a we're fortunate compared to um producers who need a huge amount of seasonal labor uh, we're lucky that we we actually all of our employees are are on permanent permanent contracts um so that's that's good that's attractive um for people looking for a job um, compared to just a seasonal kind of short-term contracts so things like that um, and obviously looking at you know other, other benefits that we can provide our employees and just how do we make it a good place to work where people want to want to stay and also where they want to tell their friends about and uh, and hopefully you know bring in some other people as well
0: have you had enough labor for this year
2: so far yes we have yeah
0: now, that's good news. Now, another big issue been on horizon all year is the end of the AHDB Horticulture Board and at Levy. And um, I know Double H has been involved in that through Howard Brame. So what's your view on the future of R&D post-AHDB?
2: It's difficult to know uh, what, what, where it's going to go and what's going to happen. Um, we 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 would have liked the hdb to continue um with some reforms but we would have liked it to continue to be able to to carry on doing the you know the r and d work that that we feel as a, as a grower is valuable um especially around pesticides uh, and things like that which we need we need uh, you know, as an industry otherwise we're going to get left behind so we are as a as a business we're disappointed that it's going to go um and we're looking forward to seeing what's next um and how do we keep Keep those things going so that we don't get left behind uh, compared to other countries.
0: So, in, in an ideal world, what would you like to see post AHDB?
2: <laughs> it's a good question. Um, as I just said, I think you know we 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 actually supported the AHDB um, and the reforms that they were they were looking to put in place um, to be a, to be more focused, probably a bit leaner uh, in terms of spending, um, maybe a bit more kind of. Uh, you know, a bit more of a regular review of priorities uh, with, with levy payers to really make sure that the, the levy is being spent on, on the most value adding activities. Um, so I think, you know, it's something along those lines really, but it's obviously going to have to be um, significantly or, you know, it's going to have to be different enough that it's not just an exact copy of, of what we had before.
0: Yeah. So you're, you're willing to, to pay into a new type of R&D sort of mechanism, I guess.
2: We are we are yes, i mean we have it, it, we either have to pay into a sort of into some sort of central mechanism levy type type mechanism or we or we have to spend a lot of money ourselves on on r and d uh, and and external kind of um external agencies and things to be able to help us do that, so I don't think there's going to be a it's not going to suddenly be a sort of a, you know, a big cost saving. Um, it's just actually sometimes it's, it's better to be as a, in a group um, doing that work and it's actually more cost effective to do things as a group. So that's the stuff that I think you know, we, we're keen to see carrying on in some, in some form or another um, so that we get the collective benefit of, of being in a, um, in, a, in a group as opposed to just all doing everything individually.
0: Okay. Um, the, the HDB did a fair bit of work on, on Pete. Where Where are you on that? In the business,
2: well, we, we've been actively involved with that work. Uh, as you said, Howard has been um, has been leading leading on that from our side and has been involved with that project with the HDB for the last few years. We've been we've been actively uh, working on on this for a while in terms of how do we reduce peat usage um, in our in our crops. We are we always we actively you know trialing new um, new composts um, and new mixes to see if we can. See what results we get really with with the aim. It's the same as everyone else with the aim to reduce peat
0: usage. Have you got a percentage target in a certain number of years?
2: We don't have a specific target at the moment. No, I think it's going to be. Um, it's going to be different for different crops. We are. We're making good progress with chrysanthemums. Reduce peat usage in chrysanthemums by. By a significant amount, most most of the compost we're using is, is is a fairly low percentage of peat now there. But with roses, for example, it's much, much more difficult um, to get the quality of plant that, that obviously we're looking for. So it's uh, it varies by crop and we don't have a specific target at the moment.
0: Do you see enough product in the market to fill that peat gap?
2: There are products in the market, but it comes back to the usual challenge of, of cost as well. Um and some of the alternatives are significantly more expensive at the moment. So I think there's you know, as with all of these things, that will the balance will, will start to shift. I'm sure the cost uh, balance will start to swing in in the other direction, and it will become commercially viable.
0: Now onto the uh, the fun subject of returning to office work we're um, in our office going to go back in september i think a bit um but having been away for over a year do you think that will have an impact on people buying house plants who won't be working at home anymore um or will it not i mean I, I, maybe they just it's got into this psyche that you know more house plants are, are a good thing whether you're at home or not
2: well hopefully yeah <laughs> It's it's really hard to predict, isn't it? It's difficult to know what what you know how people's um, behavior is going to change. It's difficult to know really even how many people are going to go, you know, back into the office full time, or, or is there going to be a lot more kind of hybrid hybrid models around? Um, yeah, I mean, people can have a plant on their desk at work as well, <laughs> so that's uh, that that's fine by us. Um, so it's very difficult to predict. I, I hope that some people have you know uh, have kind of seen the benefits and and enjoyed having plants at home over the last year and, and we will continue to do that as a, as a new hobby or as just something nice to look at when they're at home.
0: Oh, I like that idea of having an, an orchid or whatever on your, on your desk at work. That would brighten the day up a bit. Now, um, does, that, does that mean you're going to increase production? Have you got plans to, to up your production in the next year?
2: So we haven't, we haven't got any specific plans to increase our, our, our size of our glass houses um, in the near term, but we are, we are able to increase our output um, within our existing facilities, slightly so we are increasing our orchid production. Um, we're also shifting, shifting our, our orchid production over to a, to a higher proportion of uh, what we call mini orchids, um, as opposed to as opposed to the large orchids. So that shifting, shifting the the kind of ratio from large to small slightly means that we can obviously fit more in the glasshouse. So there will be there will be more plants available.
0: Are there any other trends in the market in terms of what you're going to grow and expecting from the public in, in terms of demand?
2: Another big trend recently in house plants has been has been foliage and, and green plants. Um, it, it's sort of a bit of a back to the um, back to the plants that were popular uh, in the seventies and eighties. Um, so those have really taken off over the last year or two. Uh, so we we are looking at you know looking at starting to grow some of those plants as well here.
0: Oh yeah! Oh, brilliant! Oh, well, I'll look forward to to seeing that on the on the horizon. Um, now, just lastly, talking plants. If you were stuck on a desert island, Andy, what what plant would you take? You can only choose one. Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's 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 not not very practical in terms of um, providing any sort of food or uh, or shelter or anything but i think I've, I've got to say an orchid haven't i um being here with all these orchids around me so yeah it'd be nice to look at on a desert island and um and, and provide a bit of color amongst all the sand oh
0: that's brilliant andy so we love orchids whether you're at home in hampshire or on a desert island or wherever you are in the world love an orchid brilliant okay well it's that's been great thanks very much for that andy i'm matthew appleby and i've been with andy burton of double h nurseries thanks for listening to the horticulture week podcast make sure you never miss one subscribe to or follow horticulture week podcasts via apple itunes spotify or google podcasts or your preferred podcast platform goodbye till next time